Do you want to run further, faster, or stronger? Do you want to enjoy your running more and generally be a better version of yourself? You're in the right place. I'm your host, Alan Lyle, a running coach and nutritionist. My aim is to help you improve your running from 5Ks to ultras by providing you with the knowledge and tools you need on training, nutrition, and mindset, as well as giving you the inspiration to dream bigger, achieve more in your running, and to make it fun at the same time. Welcome to the Running Rules Podcast. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to episode number 10 of the Running Rules Podcast, a spring marathon preview where I'm going to be going through some of the races that are going to be coming up in the next few weeks. I'm off to Boston in a few days to take on the Boston Marathon. Um, That's in six days time. I'm really looking forward to that. It's something that I've been planning towards for a a very long time. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more later. There's also the London Marathon coming up. Um, It's a race that I remember watching every year on the TV around this time of year. So it's it's a very exciting time for anyone taking on a marathon. But also, if you're just interested in marathons in general, um, watching the London Marathon, as I say, was an experience I grew up with. Um, And you might be involved in helping out at one of these marathons as well. So I'm going to be talking through four marathons, three of which I have done in the past, and also Boston Marathon, which I'm taking on for the first time. So I'm going to be talking about Belfast, London, and Manchester, that are coming up over the next few weeks and talking a bit about the history of those, the routes, and my own experience at each of those races. Um, Most of of them have been good experiences um, and I think there's going to be a lot of positive things to come out of this episode. I just want to give a big shout out to one of my coaching clients, Amish, who ran his first half marathon at London Landmarks um, a couple of weeks ago now. Um, he did fantastically well, um, smashed his target of two hours um, by running 150 and for his first half marathon, which was fantastic. And he had a brilliant day as well. Uh, London Landmarks is uh, another race, um, obviously, in the centre of London. Uh, it looks like a fantastic race. It's not one that I've done before, but um, having done London Marathon a couple of times, um, and I think parts of, I would say parts of London, I'll talk about it in a bit more detail in a bit, but some of those um, parts of London Marathon are maybe out in in lesser well-known areas of London. Uh, it looks like the Landmarks route is really in and around everything that you'd ever want to see in London. So it looks like a great route, uh, a great day out, uh, and maybe one to get on the waiting list for um, confirmation of when the ballot or the ballot comes out for that for next year. That's in April. But amazingly well done to Amish. And if you're interested in um, getting help with your own running, maybe you've got a, a half marathon or a marathon coming up later on in the year. Um, I think that's proof that you know coaching is not just for people who've been running a long time. You can really make great use of coaching right from the start, um, even if you're looking at doing your first half marathon or marathon, because you can really shortcut a lot of the mistakes 
that um, people tend to make. Um, I made a lot of mistakes, which I've talked about quite a lot, and I'll probably continue to talk about them um, because I'm really passionate about other people not having to go through those um, same mistakes that I did. And definitely Amish ran um, a great race, bypassing a lot of the mistakes that I made in both the marathon and the half marathon before so if you're interested in getting help um you can reach out to me directly and and uh, on message on instagram or facebook or on email and i'd be happy to chat through the options but basically there's uh one-to-one coaching um which is where everything is done for you the the training plans done for you and there's a monthly call where we'll catch up and talk about the plans for the next month. And you can contact me at any time during the month to get any tweaks that you need or advice as you're going along. So that's really the, the done with you solution. Um, everything is included in that. And then also I'm starting up at the start of May, the 1st of May, we're starting the Running Rules Marathon Club, which is um, going to be a great community where we're going to have a live event every week which will be a masterclass or a guest expert or a coaching group coaching session and these will all be geared towards getting your um, training your nutrition your mindset right for the marathon um, so that's going to be more of a group experience there won't be the plans done for you in that so you'll be doing the plans on the side um, yourself but you can certainly get guidance and help through that uh, with the club and that will be on Facebook and Zoom so if you're interested in that go to www.therunningrules.com forward slash club or if you're interested in the coaching it's forward slash coaching so for today's episode I'm going to be talking about Belfast Marathon, London Marathon, Manchester Marathon and Boston Marathon and that's the order of how many times I've done each marathon and also the order in which I did them to start off with. Um, so that's not the order that they come in the calendar. It's almost reversed to that. Um, but I'm going to start off with Belfast Marathon, which has been going since 1982. So we're in the 41st year, I think. Um, and that's um, in two and a half weeks time. That's on the 30th of April this year so it's the last of the four t- to happen um, and I've done this marathon three times my first being in 2003 which was my very first marathon and then I've done it uh, two more times 2015 and 2016 were which were actually my second and third marathons so my first three marathons were Belfast Marathon and I haven't done it since and I would love to go back and do Belfast again not just because it's been such a long time since I've I've done Belfast now but also because the route has changed since the last time I did it and in fact uh, 2015 and 2016 were different from 2003 so I suppose that's one feature of probably most of these marathons is that they do subtly change the route from time to time but Belfast probably more so than some of the other ones. This year's route starts at Stormont which is the basically the parliament building for Northern Ireland and 
it finishes up at Ormo Park like uh, a lot of the races tend to or seem to do these days. Um, certainly the finish at Ormo Park was the same in 2015 and 2016. Uh, 2003 was different. It started and finished at the old Macefield Leisure Centre, which was next to um, the city train station. Um, and that was a much different route. So I remember 2003, um, the first part of it going north, I think. Um, and then it ended up going south. So you went past Queens and you went past um, the falls sort of in the middle of the race and then the end of the race was out through East Belfast and I suppose that was the area that I really didn't know very well as a student um, so it was quite well um, I knew where we were going in the middle of the race around Queen's um, sadly you don't go past Queen's these days um, I don't know the reason for that but um, certainly that has changed since the first time I did it and then those last sort of six miles through East Belfast I really had no idea where, where I was going at that point um, like I think I've said before um, when I did my first marathon uh, it, I hadn't been running for that long so all the sort of training that I'd been doing was probably in and around Queens I can't remember where I did my long runs but it certainly wouldn't have dawned on me to run try and run any of the route to to check it out and I remember sort of just winding through roads in East Belfast kind of just grinding along at the end of, of that marathon and it probably wasn't the grandest finishes uh, of of any marathon. I remember sort of coming down Short Strand, and then you turn right into Macefield Leisure Centre, and you were just you you were just there. It was probably a bit anticlimactic, but obviously, for your first marathon, you're absolutely overjoyed to get to the finish line. Um, so I vaguely remember that finish, but I'm much more remember 2015 and 2016 not least because uh, in 2015 I fell or I collapsed at mile 25 down the Raven Hill Road um, because I had poor fueling um, I basically didn't fuel for the whole thing and uh, just got the jelly legs at mile 25 so uh, I was down there for about 20 minutes and then um, jog round to <laughs> the end which is at Ormo Park so that's the same finish this year um, but back in 2015 and 16 you also got a long stretch up the Antrim Road towards the zoo um, to about halfway and then there was a fairly fairly bad stretch between um, Gideon's Green along the towpath through the docks areas um, which was about 16 to 20 miles where there was very little support and I think that was probably one of the main reasons um, that the route got changed and I think 2019 was the start of the new route which was a bit of a, an, a, a, a problematic start to, to life for the new course because um, anyone who ran that 2019 marathon will remember that it was 0.3 miles long um, probably better than it being short um, my brother has run 
a short marathon and also we'll get on to it but Manchester I was looking back was short for three years in a row which has got to be a bit gutting if you've run a marathon and then realized it wasn't a marathon um but anyone who ran in 2019 um I suppose officially did an ultra marathon because it was long um and there was a whole hoo-ha afterwards where they amended times to try and make them equatable to 26.2 mile time which um yeah it was it was very confusing after that i mean i think they issued everyone with about three different times um but it has improved uh since then that i think actually looking back to that it wasn't actually the course that was wrong i think um the car took a wrong turn the lead car took a wrong turn uh on the course so i think the course was actually measured correctly or that's what the official stance was but I do like the look of the new course um starting at Stormont um is quite a grand um start I would think and then you come into the center the thing I don't like the look of really is you basically pass the finish point at mile seven uh, and then obviously you've got to to go on after that um and you go out south and then west and then north and now the the hill isn't as bad up in the north area so you used to have to go all climb all the way up to the zoo um, which is a fairly steady climb it's not really steep but it just keeps going on and on for a long time you don't have to go up that far now and um, the main sort of hill I would say is around about mile 18 where you go up the old park towards the waterworks the waterworks is where the very first uh, Northern Ireland Park run started and obviously is still there now. It's where I do a lot of my tempo um, training or interval training around there. It's nice and flat once you get up there. Um, so that's a nice spot to get to on the course and that's probably about mile 19 or 20 because then you've got a bit of a downhill into the centre and then you've got the last bit which is very similar to the last time I would have done it um, where you have to go up the Ormer Road and then down the Ravenhill Road so it's a little push up from a, probably about 23 miles so that's the other point to look out for um, if you are out there doing it this year mile 18 where I said the the bit of a hill up is that is where my club are doing um, a mile of support there um, the Molus Carriers Mile. Um, so I'll be down there helping them out there and hoping to provide some noise to get you up that hill, uh, which is really probably, as I say, once you've got the back of that broken, then you do have a, a nice bit of flattened waterworks and then a, a nice downhill for a bit. And you don't really have any up until about 23, where there's a little pull up the Armour Road. So that's what the the route looks like. Um, as I said, my experience um, is fairly different for those three marathons as they were my first three than my experience of marathons now are. And because they're quite a long time ago, I've certainly the first one I don't have a lot of memory of apart from just the whole experience was completely new. Um, I remember, as I say, we kept mostly to 
um, the student areas and the city centre. So I didn't really know the rest of Belfast where the marathon was going. And it was kind of it was kind of good to get out and, and run around and see some of the rest of Belfast. Um, so that's sort of my recollection of 2003. Um, I was very pleased to finish it and get it under my belt, the first marathon. And then 2015, 2016, um, mixed emotions those years. 2015 didn't go amazingly well. And then 2016 went quite a bit better. Um, the one thing um, I, my mum, I remember saying that was different about Belfast when she came to do it from other marathons that she'd done was that the relay is quite popular. Um, and it's something that you don't get a lot of in in many other marathons. I think certainly Manchester, there is a, a relay, but I don't remember seeing a lot of relay runners. Um, it's quite, it's very popular in Belfast. Um, so you will get a lot of extra runners doing that, which I think is good for the crowds that are out doing it. You feel like there's more people taking part. And I think the crowds themselves have definitely got better as well over the years. Like I say, um, some of those areas were not that well attended in the old route. And I think that's got a lot better. So Belfast um, is a is definitely one that I would like to do again. And it has the massive benefit for me anyway of being on the doorstep, a local marathon. I always recommend um, if you're taking on your first marathon to do one that's close to you, unless you've got a real bucket list marathon race that you want to do and that's going to be the only one that you ever do, then if you're thinking about doing marathons and doing a few of them, I do think it's worth checking out your local marathon, wherever it is, because it just makes logistics so much easier. Um, you can you don't need to book accommodation or travel. You can just wake up in your own bed, do your normal breakfast, get dropped at the start line, hopefully um, picked up at the finish. And... It just makes the whole thing a lot easier. You can get support on the course as well. Um, it's great, obviously, running your home marathon and getting the support. And that's one thing that I really do remember from 2015 and 16 is seeing club members out or club club mates out supporting on, on the course was so helpful. Um, and it really gives you a big lift. So hopefully that's what we'll provide as well um at mile 18 for anyone um who is doing the marathon this year so do get do let us know if you are um doing belfast and want a shout out at mile 18 we will try and do that and look out for you so the next marathon i'm going to talk about is london marathon uh, which has been going one year more than Belfast. So it started in 1981. And unlike Belfast, there was no gap in... Uh, there was no race missed for COVID. Um, there was no mass race in 2020, but they did hold uh, an elite race. So technically there was uh, an edition of the London Marathon that year. So we're on to the 43rd running of London this year. 
and it's in a week and a half's time on the 23rd of April this year. I have run this marathon twice, 2019 and 2022. And the first year that I ran it, um, like I say, for me, it was a real bucket list race to do. Um, in fact, I would I would say that for a while there, after I'd run Belfast in 2016, I'd done those three marathons, marathons kind of went off my radar for a bit. Um, I started looking at other things to do, shorter races and longer challenges as well. I didn't feel like the marathon was something that I was going to specialise in at the time. Uh, and then I got talking to a clubmate who had done London and basically told me that it was an, an amazing experience and it was just something that you really need to do once in your life. And following that um, conversation, it sort of planted the seed for me that I would do London at some point. Um, I went and did Dublin in 2018 and Dublin, I think, was a step up from Belfast at that point. Um, like I say, I think... Belfast has got better since in terms of the route and the course and the crowds. Um, Dublin, for me, was a step up. It was it felt more like a bigger city marathon, um, more people in it, more buzz. And I think I did that the back end of 2018 and then London in 2019. And I think London, again, was a step up again. And it really was um, what you think it's going to be when you you see it on the tv it's you know big crowds big atmosphere and i love that so i know some people may get a bit intimidated by the noise and the crowds um but i really sort of thrive on on that kind of atmosphere and experience um and plus the first year that I did it, 2019, it just happened to be on my birthday as well. So that was a real added bonus. Um, but I really loved London that year. Um, 2022 was the last marathon that I did. And it didn't, for me, have the same buzz about it. Maybe because I'd done it before. Maybe because I was putting too much pressure on myself in terms of a time and... I think um, for me that put me off doing it again because I feel like that's such um, a bucket list, bucket list race for a lot of people and I don't want to take um, a place from someone else um, when I don't really sort of have my full heart in it. There's other races that I want to do um, and I think it's definitely if, for instance, my brother's got into London Marathon. I would probably sway it for me to do it again. But I think it wasn't anything to do with London. It was just um, a bad race that I had. And it was a really tough day at the office. And that kind of put a little dampener on, on London Marathon for me. But certainly the first year, um, I, th I thought it was amazing. Um so the route for London is a bit like Belfast in terms of you start slightly out of London. Uh, well, 
London's so big. I mean, it it's still in London. You know, London sprawls for miles and miles, but it's not right in the centre. The start you either start at Blackheath or Greenwich, uh, and I suppose that's the difference between uh, London and the other marathons that we're talking about here. There's different start points depending on which um, you know which colour I think you are. Um, there's a blue start, a red start, and a green start, I think, and they all start in slightly different places. Um, and actually, it surprised me to find out from some of my co- coaching clients who are doing this um, this year that you don't find out until this Friday where you are and what wave, um, which I find really surprising that you only find that out a week before. I'm, I think I knew months in advance. Um, so they must have changed that this year. I'm not sure why they've done that. Um, but regardless, it's really easy to get to the start line um, on public transport. It's um, You can get a train or the tube. It's, it's very easy um, to get about in London in general. And then the first 10K takes you to Cutty Sark, which is one of the big... Um, landmarks that you'll see along the way and the crowds at Cutty Sark are amazing just really really noisy down there um it's still usually at that point quite um packed in terms of the running because you haven't got that far down the course um so it's still you're still quite bunched up at that point and then another 10 11k takes you to the halfway point which is at um, Tower Bridge, which again is a really amazing experience. Um, there's so much sound there. A lot of the charities set up there and give you, you know, a lot of noise and a lot of encouragement. Um, and then after that, you go through the part of the course that I am not that keen on. It may just be because when you get in the second half of a race and of a marathon, it's going to be tough anyway. But you go through high buildings in Canary Wharf and your GPS goes off. Um, it's really hard to stay on track in terms of your pacing because the the um, watch is bouncing around so much. So it's really important to check in with the mile markers as you're going along to check, you know, what is your actual pace as you or your actual time as you're going past each marker i think last year my watch clocked nearly 27 miles for the whole thing and that's just because of that poor gps and around canary wharf um certainly mile 19 was about 45 seconds faster than anything else that i did but i clearly wasn't running that fast it's just when you look back on the map you see the the ridiculous lines that the gps has you going through um and i find that quite challenging um so it's definitely worth planning for that and knowing that that's going to happen or is likely to happen i had two different watches through there obviously um they were both garmin but um two two completely different watches and still had real difficulty through there so i imagine that it would be similar with most watches through there. And then the other thing is that you do have to go back past the halfway point again. So when you get to the halfway point, you cross Tower Bridge, you turn right, and then you basically do a loop round for 
almost, I think, probably eight to ten miles. I can't remember exactly how far. And you come back past that point again, uh, running straight on. And that can be also a bit mentally taxing, knowing that you're basically going out and having to come back past the point that you've just, you've just got to. Um, you also run, you know, the opposite, the opposite side of the road to other runners coming back the other way. I think when I went past last year, it was only the elite women coming back past me on the other side of the road because, as I say, it's about eight miles further on in the course, um, and the elite women hadn't had an earlier start, so they were the only ones coming through by that point. But it is kind of nice as a, a faster runner to come back past and you get the support of the other runners on the on the other side of the road who have just passed the halfway point when you're coming back through at you know 20 21 miles so it's it's good when you're coming back in to the center towards the finish i think it's less good when you're going out and you're seeing people on the other side who are who are that much further on um so yeah it's it's good and bad from that point of view one big thing obviously is how to get into london marathon so for belfast you can just you know apply you can just sign up for the race you don't need to do anything special you just buy your place um as probably most people know london marathon is a lot harder to get into um the ballot has got very competitive um I haven't looked recently, but I remember looking a, f a few years ago, I think they were getting up to nearly half a million entries for the ballot with only about 20, 25,000 maybe ballot places going. So you've really only got a one in 20 chance at most of get getting in through the ballot. And I know people who have done it for many years and not been able to get a place, um, so there are other ways you can get a charity place. And I think there's a lot of charity places available. Um, obviously, you have to raise a certain amount of money, which will be dictated by each charity. And probably a lot of those charity places are also quite well subscribed to. So you probably need to get in quite early for one of those. And then there's the Good for Age, which is if you manage to... Uh, run a certain time um, based on your age then you are, are eligible to put in an application for a good for age place now it's not 100% guaranteed um, they it used to be guaranteed they would take everyone who'd met the qualifying time now they will only take the fastest ones up to the amount that they're gonna let in for the race so there may be a cutoff um, but it's likely to be less than five minutes under the qualifying time because once they get to the point where it's over five minutes, they just bring the qualifying times down again. But that is also something to watch out for if you are thinking of leaving it a few years. Um, do note that sometimes the qualifying times get slashed. So I think when I first was looking at it, it used to be 3.05 and now it's three hours for uh, men under 40. Um, I'm going to be going into a new age bracket, so I think I'm going to get five minutes back, um, which is nice and also worth considering if you are uh, 
a slightly older runner, let's say, uh, you may find that um, the qualifying times aren't as scary as you might have thought. The other thing is that I never thought I would be able to get those qualifying times because I just didn't r really think about how difficult it would be to get there. I didn't know how difficult it would be to get there. And I'm sure this varies for, from person to person, but... I think when I was thinking it wasn't possible, I really wasn't that consistent with my own training and I'd kind of done the bare minimum in regards to getting ready for marathons and hence my time was about 20 to 25 minutes off where I needed to be. But once I started putting some consistent work in, that time dropped very quickly and it took me the space of six to eight months of hard training, not hard training, but more consistent training to be able to get down to that, that level. Now it might take some people longer, but it's all about getting consistent and well-structured training in. And I do think that those good for age times are more accessible than people think. I think if you're not close to them, you kind of autom automatically assume that they're going to be too difficult to get to. And if you are really considering getting into London Marathon and you don't want to do the charity route and you're just relying on the ballot every year, I th do think it's worth having a look at whether you could make the inroads necessary to get down to that good for age time. Check them out. They're on the website. Um, if you think that you would like to do it but you're not sure how to go about doing it then send me a message um, I'm more than happy to just give you a quick overview of where you are with your training and, and what I think you need to do um, if you do feel like you need more help than that then there's obviously coaching that you can you can get as well um, but often it's just about prioritizing running a bit more and making it fit around your life and making that training just a bit more effective than it is at the minute. So that's London um, happening in a week and a half's time. If you are doing it, I hope you have a fantastic race. It's it's going to be a, a brilliant day, I think. Um, the elite field is absolutely stacked on both sides, so that's very exciting as well. In 2019, I was running the same day as Kipchoge and uh, Sir Mo Farah. I believe um, Mo is back this year, and also Eilish McColgan's making her de debut, so I think those are taking the headlines, but there's uh, loads of great athletes on, on both sides as well. If you are spectating it's it's harder if you're running on the day to sort of keep track of that um couldn't i couldn't quite keep up with um kipchoge and um mo farah on in 2019 um but yeah if you're watching that sort of added incentive to either get there or, or get it on the tv next i'm going to talk about manchester marathon manchester's happening this sunday and it's actually the fourth largest marathon in Europe, which I was a little bit surprised to find out. So I think that's after London, Berlin and Paris, not necessarily in that order. Um, so it's the second um, largest in the UK 
and the fourth in Europe. Um, I did this back uh, a year ago, actually, this April um, 2022, and it remains where I ran my personal best. Um, so I have very fond memories of Manchester. For me, it was perfect in terms of the course and the conditions. So the course is really flat. Um, most of the courses um, that I'm talking about are fairly flat. Uh, Belfast has a couple of hills in towards the end, but nothing major and certainly better than it used to be. London, there's not really anything to worry about in terms of hills either. Manchester, I think, is probably the flattest um, of all of them. There is one hill around about mile 18 in Altrincham, um, which, if you're not expecting it, it looks a bit scary, to be honest. You basically turn a corner and there's a really steep pull-up, but it is really short as well, so it's probably 30 seconds and I was at the top of it, but it is a little bit disconcerting at that point in the marathon. And then the rest of it really is flat. I mean, there was nothing that I can remember that was anything to worry about at all. And then the conditions also were absolutely perfect for me last year. I love cold conditions and it started off, I think it was two degrees when we started the run, which is probably not going to happen this year. Um, it's probably going to be a little bit warmer, maybe those couple of weeks because it was at the start of April last year, the very first Sunday of April. Maybe those couple of weeks made a little bit of a difference. I think um, for spring marathons, um, some we'll talk about Boston in a minute. Um, it's more prevalent in Boston, but even in the other ones, spring weather is just a bit unpredictable. And certainly I remember... Thankfully, I wasn't running in either of these, but in 2018 in London and Belfast, it was really hot. Um, and it seems like a cruel trick to play on you when you've been training all through the winter through sleet and snow and wet and cold. And then suddenly you just get a scorching day on race day. There's no real way, unless you've got, managed to go and do some fair, you know, some weather training somewhere, I don't know, out in the Canary Islands or some something like that, which I know some people have. And I kind of joke about this. I say to my clients, you should go and do that um, and think I'm joking. Um, but it probably is a, a good idea if you can just so that you're used to, well, not used to, but you know what it's going to be like if it is warm on, on race day. And just occasionally it is. And even if it's not that warm, last year in October for London, it was about 14 or 15 degrees, which isn't that warm generally. But for me, it's just a little bit warmer than I like. But it's probably looks like that might be the kind of temperatures that we're going to get towards the end of April here. So um, it's it's worth having a look at that and being ready for those kind of temperatures, but knowing that it could be hotter than that. But last year, Manchester were perfect conditions. Um, so, you know, I really enjoyed the race. I, 
I, I thought it was reasonably well supported, but I did think there were stretches in it where the crowds were definitely a bit thin. Um, so it starts at Old Trafford, which is a great starting point and finish. Um, it's it's actually the only one on this list which starts and finishes in the same place. London and Belfast um, are fairly close, you know, the start and finishes, but they're not, you know, exactly the same. Um, and Manchester is the only one that actually starts and finishes in the same place. And you start out by going th- through the centre, which uh, is a nice sort of big uh, big city feeling. Uh, I like that kind of running through big cities, big loads of crowds in there, and it feels good early on. And then you go back out towards Old Trafford, I think around eight, nine miles, something like that. And then you start heading out south, I think it is, and you go towards Altrincham, which is basically where you turn around. So at that point, it sort of feels like an out and back. Um, And a bit like London, it's kind of nice to see other people running in the other direction, but more so when you're further on than they are. Um, The point where you get it in Manchester is only a couple of miles further on. So it's just before Altrincham. And then you go in and do a bit of a loop round there and you come back. So you are probably going to see people both ways um, as you're going in and as you're coming out. Which is kind of nice to see the crowds. Um, and again, But again, it's a bit demoralizing when you know people on the other side of the road have less, to, less distance to go. Um, but I... Th- thought it was a, a really good marathon I would definitely do it again and it just feels like a bit more a bit more chilled out than other big city marathons that I've done like uh, London and Berlin they definitely felt like a more chilled out vibe I don't know if that's just the relaxed nature of uh, of northern England like I like to think being a northern lad myself that we're a bit more laid back up north um, but it definitely felt like that and um yeah i just really enjoyed that marathon again i could be biased because i just had a really good race day that day and had my brothers with me it was a really good day but i think anyone who is doing manchester you're in for a really good experience a really good race and um yeah best of luck if you're doing manchester this weekend so finally, I want to talk about Boston Marathon, and this is the one that I've been waiting to do for a long time. Um, probably after I ran London, that was the next thing I wanted to do on my bucket list was Boston. Um, I'd heard a lot about Boston. Uh, it's the oldest annually held marathon in the world I think um started in 1897 so we're on the 127th running of Boston Marathon and I just I really love the history of it as well as the sort of character of the course so unlike all of the other ones that we talked about and probably most big city marathons Boston is a point-to-point course and it starts 26 miles outside of Boston to the west in a town called Hopkinton 
and you run through eight um, towns and cities to get to Boston. And there's just so many stories that have come out through the years. I keep um, watching documentaries and and reading books about it, um, and you hear you know different stories that come out um, from the Jewel in the Sun, which was in '81, I think. Um, really hot day with um, Dick Beardsley and Alberto Sal- Salazar um, battling it out right up until the finish line. Um, the year before, um, there was an imposter won the women's race. Uh, Rosie Ruiz um, came out of nowhere from the crowd to win it um, and then got disqualified, but it took them a week to disqualify her. Uh, it was also w- where um, women were finally allowed to run marathons for the first time uh, in 72, having had six years of women running them unofficially. And the famously in 67, Catherine Switzer was was sort of tackled by the race director and, and tried to be tackled and taken off the course. Um, really crazy when you think about it now nowadays that that only happened just over 50 years ago um it's you know it's it's really quite shocking um that that it's that that recent that women were thought not to be able to to run marathons and i think it's true to say now um i read in the or i watched in the documentary that women there's more women running in north america now than the men certainly in marathons so although it was you know crazy times back then it, it i guess that's the kind of thing that had to happen for uh, that equality to come about um and then more recently obviously the tragic um bombings of 2013 um and that's going to be the 10 year 10 year anniversary of that this year so it's going to be really poignant. I've, you know, watched documentaries and films about that as well, and just again, absolutely crazy to think that 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 could happen. Um, and it's you know, going to be quite emotional seeing going back to the scene of that uh, this year. But it's something that I've uh, wanted to do for quite a long time. I had a place in twenty twenty. And then uh, obviously I was training for about 10 weeks for that. And then COVID hit and everything got cancelled. And I decided not to go back in 2021. Um, actually had two marathons booked in 2020. So I had Boston and Berlin. And both of them got moved to 2021 within a week of each other. So it wasn't possible. So I ended up doing Berlin and uh skipping boston because thought berlin was probably an easier bet to get to um and i wasn't really sure about you know going to america just yet at that point in time so it's taken me a few years to get back and um finally going to get to do it this time round it's another thing about the boston marathon is that it's much harder to get into. So it's one of the six major marathons along with London. Uh, and there's also New York, Chicago, Berlin, and Tokyo. But Boston's probably the hardest to get into. Tokyo's quite difficult, I think, as well. 
um, but there is at least a ballot for Tokyo. I think Boston's the only one that doesn't have a ballot. Um, you can get in as a charity runner, but again, I think there are a lot fewer charity places than there are in somewhere like London, so it's not that easy to, to get in either, possibly even harder if you're an overseas runner. So attaining the qualifying times for Boston is a real target for a lot of runners and something to really aspire to. And again, if you're looking to try and get those those times, they're actually probably slightly more lenient than London. Um, but again, you don't get a guaranteed place if you pass the BQ time or the Boston qualifying time. Uh, they will take a certain amount and then cap it. Although this year, I think everyone who got the time did get in. Um, so you just have to go out, run your best, try and get that time, and then hope that you will be in the fastest qualifiers that applied for a place on race day. So there feels something very unique about a point-to-point -point course. I've done one point-to-point -point marathon before down the Antrim Coast Road. Um, obviously, this is going to be quite different, but th the same kind of things apply in terms of the weather especially. I mean, if you're on a looped course, then you would like to think that the wind is going to even out for you, you know, around the course. There's going to be sometimes where you get the tailwind, sometimes when you get headwind. But, you know, on average, you're going to be against the wind as much as you, it's going to be with you. On a point-to-point -point course, the, there's a real, very real possibility that you could have a headwind the entire way. Um, so that's one thing that I'm not looking forward to. <laughs> the other thing is that the elevation of Boston is quite challenging um it's kind of the opposite to what i would prefer um so you get quite a steep downhill at the start and then you get hills between miles 16 to 21 they're very famous they're called the newton hills and there's four of them in in fairly quick succession uh the last one being dubbed heartbreak hill uh which is the steepest of all of them and I kind of thought maybe people are over overstating them. They're not that bad. Um, but it looked at um, a friend's Strava from last year who went over and also talked to him. And he assures me they are as bad as everyone says. But even looking at the Strava and the elevation gain for the last hill, I now have been able to equate that with some some hill around here that I've trained on and it's not something you probably want to crop up at mile 20 of a marathon so I think Boston for me is going to be a, a real challenge in terms of trying to pace the course correctly you don't want to start too fast even though there is a downhill at the start you you maybe want to try and capitalize a little bit on it but not to the detriment of the rest of the race and really being able to try and get to mile 16 in a good state because there's been a couple of marathons recently where I haven't been in a good place at mile 16 and I definitely need to be um, in Boston with the next five miles containing the hills and then you have 
sort of if I think if you get to the top of heartbreak, you've got a rolling basically rolling downhills to towards the end and that could be a great time to make up some time if you haven't already gone at that point. So it's gonna be a real challenge. I'm really looking forward to it. The other interesting thing is that all the numbers are seeded in terms of your qualifying time. So it's kind of, a, a I put it out on Strava before um, to my Strava group. Is it pres- prestigious or pretentious? Um, I think I wouldn't like to see this kind of thing at every marathon. I think 99% of marathons, you want everyone to be able to, to participate and you don't want the feeling of who's fastest um, being a big issue. But I do like the idea of one sort of prestigious marathon that people can really aspire to and try and qualify for. And it's interesting that those numbers are kind of seeded. Uh, the interesting thing for me will be if if I find someone with a similar number to me, I know that you know they qualified with a similar time, uh, they might be looking for a similar time. So it's it's kind of a good conversation starter. Um, whereas normally numbers, I guess, are probably either done by who entered first or it's done alphabetically or I really don't know how numbers are normally ad- attributed. But I think this is quite unique for Boston as well. So there's a lot of history Um you could say it's it's pretentious. I'd like to to say it's more prestigious, um, and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, the whole weekend is going to be amazing. There's um, the expo. Um, apparently, has a lot of great talks on, and this will be the same in London as well. Both of them have uh, great expos. Um, Belfast is starting its own expo um, started last year or the year before and really trying to build that up and surprisingly Manchester doesn't have an expo I don't think or or not one of any note I think they actually post the packs out so you don't have to collect them on on race day that was certainly the the way it was last year um, unless it's changed this year but I don't think it has but yeah the expo is again something else to really sort of enjoy in Boston and London try and get there early um if you can and so you're not wasting a lot of energy the day before so I'm I'm going to be going over a couple of days early and trying to get into the expo probably on the first day when it's a bit quieter and I'm not spending as much energy just straight before race day the other thing I'm slightly nervous about for Boston is um, the logistics of getting to the start line. So you basically go into the finish, you drop your bag, and then you have to get a bus out to the start, uh, which apparently is about an hour long, um, which I suppose is, is probably about right. It's not a direct route either. I've seen the way the buses go. You go out on the highway and then you have to do sort of a loop round. Um, but it's probably going to feel, I remember the bus journey to the start of that Antrim Coast Road Marathon, thinking this is taking an absolute age and I've got to run all the way back the other way. And I'm th- that's probably going to be the thought as well when I'm on the bus uh, at Boston. 
But I guess you just have to try and stay calm and, and realize that you've done the training. You know, it might seem long when you're driving it. Uh, it's going to seem even longer when you're running it. But that's what, you know, we've spent the last few months getting ready for. And um, when you get to the start line and that gun goes off, that, you know, that's where it, where all of that those months of training really pay off. So... Um, I can't wait. Um, I am looking forward to letting you know how it goes um, and talking you through Boston in a bit more detail because obviously I've only gotten most of the information um, secondhand. So I haven't any experience yet of the Boston experience, um, but I'm really hoping and I really think from what I've heard that it's going to be, you know, on a par with London and just a really sort of bucket list experience that hopefully um, other people that are going to be listening to this, other clients are going to be um, intrigued and excited to do in future years. Um, so I will let you know uh, how that goes. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do one the day after the marathon. We will see, um, but I'll certainly keep you in the loop and that will be in a future episode. So if you are racing a marathon in the next few weeks, best of luck. I'm sure you've done all you can to get to this point. Don't panic over these last few days or weeks. Um, you've got all the training in the bank now, so it's just now about resting up, relaxing, and enjoying the experience as well. Again, if you're interested in trying to qualify for London or Boston or any of the other majors that you need to qualify for then have a look at the times on the website work out what you need to get and how far off you are um, and I honestly believe that most people can make a really good effort to get down to those times if they really want to try and put some priority around getting to those marathon times they do maybe look a bit scary if you're a bit far off them yet but you can keep chipping away and hopefully as well if you go up an age group then you will get a bit of time back but it's also always worth looking at the slowest times which I think are Chicago and trying to aim for those first I think and then aim for the next one after that and the next one after that you don't have to do it all in one go. You might be able to. You might surprise yourself. So check those out. And if you do want any help at all, um, message me on Instagram, Facebook, or alan at therunningrules.com. And I would love to hear what your plans are. Good luck, and I'll speak to you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate you taking the time. And I hope you've got something to take away in action in your own running. Finally, who do you know that would enjoy this podcast? If you can send them a link, that would be amazing. I also have lots of free content on my website, therunningrules.com, including marathon guides, nutrition guides, and pacing calculators, as well as information on my coaching services and courses, which are all designed to take you to the next level of your running journey. Have a great day, and see you for the next episode.